This is The Road Less Travelled, presented by Nikki Shea. G'day everyone, it's Nikki back in the seat with you this week. Welcome to this week's edition of The Road Less Travelled, the podcast which gives you camping, adventures and plenty more on the road all around Australia and in between. Welcome to this week's edition. As you can tell, a little bit uh, on the bad side this week, uh, succumbing to the common colds and flus that have been going around this time of year, but uh, hoping to, to press on. So bear with the voice this week. If you're new to the podcast, a very warm welcome to you. Glad to have your company and hope that you get a lot out of the Road Less Travelled podcast. We're on each week, roughly around about 30 minutes or so each week. We bring you tales of the road, uh, recipes, camping, adventures, tales, history, all of that enveloped in one particular episode. You can listen to us on Apple, iTunes, on Google Podcasts and of course Spotify. And if you'd like to catch up on previous editions of the Road Less Travelled, you can jump onto our website, which is fatcatmedia.com.au. You can drop me an email if you so desire at fatcat at iinet.com. .net.au, SMS or phone 042-752-8467 and you can follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for The Road Less Travelled Podcast 2021 on Instagram and that is us. A lot of people too have been saying they've been having a little bit of trouble when they do a Google search looking for us. When you do a Google search, just type in The Road Less Travelled Podcast with Nikki Shea and that's where you'll find us. been a bit crook this week as you can obviously tell by the voice and had a few days off work so trying to keep yourself occupied and uh, self-isolating is a little difficult. So I was doing a little bit of research and going back in time and looking through some old photos and some old things and sort of uh, going back to the year 1988. And this particular uh, episode will deal with something that happened in 1988 uh, in South Australia. And we were living in Coffin Bay in South Australia at the time. Uh, 1988 was the year of the bicentenary. And this particular story came up on the news feeds. And you have to put it in perspective, 1988 um, it was a totally different time in Australia. The way that you got your news was either by the newspaper, um, some um, radio stations and obviously the TV news. And you didn't really get the volume of news smashed in your face that you do these days with the instant um, uh, social media. Um, mobile phones um, were very much in their infancy in those in those particular times. Um, only the very, very rich had, people had mobile phones in, in 1988. But... Um, communication was so much different. So when this next story popped up and then I started remembering about it, I thought this week we're going to go back in time. At 5.30 yesterday morning, a West Australian family of four travelling east say a UFO landed on their car. They were travelling at 200 kilometres an hour at the time. The object was emitting an extremely bright light. They were travelling in the same area as the previous sightings. For the Knowles family, it was to have been a routine drive across the Nullarbor. That all changed as the family approached the town of Mundrabilla on the air highway. They claim that's when they had their unexpected and terrifying encounter with the unknown. The car was shaking. Um, I went down the window and I said it's on top of the roof. And all this, I don't know what it was, it all come inside the car like this way. We thought we were all dead. And I went down the window and Mum said there's something on the roof. And I said no, come off it, you know, you've got to be joking. She went down her window and she put her hand on the, on the roof and she goes, my God, she goes, what is it? And I, no, I swear to God, I'm not lying. I swear to God, I opened up my window and the car started going out of control. And all this smoke and it was like smoke. I'm not, I'm not lying. It was like smoke and gases all started coming out. 
and me and my brother started to go crazy, you know. I thought it was going to my head. Felt like my brain was getting sucked out. Another motorist and a truck driver also witnessed the incident. They confirmed the Knowles family story. Police are investigating the claim. They say the car did have dents on the roof and an ash substance inside. Late today, the Knowles family returned to the scene of their experience for the last time. And uh, you won't travel that stretch of road again? No way. You, you, don't, even, you don't even wish to travel in your own car? No. Rod Stephen, 7 News. So you've heard some of the audio from the news stations at the time. And in 1988, the Australian family, the Knowles family, encountered something very strange while driving from Perth to Adelaide. Was it group panic or actual aliens on the Nullarbor? In January 1988, Faye Knowles decided to relocate to Adelaide from Perth with her children. She was looking for new opportunities and wanted a fresh start. She and her three adult sons, Patrick, who was 24, Wayne, who was 21, and Sean, who was 18, decided to go by car, which uh, at that time, a lengthy trip of 2,700 kilometres through one of Australia's most isolated areas. But the family car was in good order. Faye had recently purchased a new Ford Telstar and they could share the driving between them. The road trip would be an exciting small adventure, the perfect start to this new chapter for them. And as we know, between Perth and Adelaide lies, of course, the Nullarbor Plain. If you've never been, it's an enormous stretch of arid land measuring around 200,000 square kilometres sitting between the Great Australian Bight and the Great Victorian Desert. It's hot, dry, especially in January, and largely featureless. Uh, This is remote and hostile terrain. Nullarbor, of course, was the label applied by the first European explorers derived from Latin, it means treeless. The local indigenous population had an equally bleak name for it, Undiri, meaning waterless. An early British explorer described the area in dramatic terms. He said a hideous anomaly, a blot on the face of nature, a sort of place one gets into bad dreams. That was Henry Kingsley. To travel across the Nullarbor is to feel that you really have left civilization behind. The only road across the Nullarbor Plain is the Air Highway, named, of course, after Edward John Eyre, the British explorer who was first to cross the plain. It is a real endurance test, and it certainly was in 1988. Concentration can be difficult in the very flat landscape. One stretch of the highway is dead straight for 146 kilometres, the longest straight stretch of road in the world. I have driven across the Nullarbor Plain a few times uh, with other people and by myself, and it leaves quite an impression. On either side of the road, there's reddish-brown soil stretches away to the horizon. There are small hardy plants like spinifex. Uh, They scratch out a living. You might see the old odd wedge-tailed eagle or kangaroo. There are low hills to the north at times, otherwise you're surrounded pretty much by a barren void. And you do feel dwarfed by the environment. Every few hundred kilometres, your map will indicate a town. These are tiny and oasis-like, such as a roadhouse, pub or caravan park where you can reprovision for the next stint and road trains thunder by constantly. From Norseman in WA to Sejuna in South Australia, the Air Highway is the only route available. There is no other way to go. So on January the 20th, 1988, the Knowles family arrived at Sejuna at the eastern end of the Air Highway in South Australia. Their car was in a state of disrepair and the family members, historical, hysterical, they hurried to the local police station. Here they met Sir Junior Police Sergeant Fred Longley. He said the car was damaged and covered in ash and they were clearly shaken up. What the Knowles family told police was a sensational story. 
Crossing the Nullarbor the night before, they had been attacked by a UFO. At around 2.45am on January the 20th, the Niles were about 40 kilometres west of Mundrabilla near the West Australian border. Sean was at the wheel when they saw something strange on the road ahead. Sean said it was about a metre wide and glowing bright and white with a yellow centre. The light was like an egg in a teacup and disappeared after jumping around for a bit. The light then appeared to chase after a truck the Knowles had passed, heading in the opposite direction, but it subsequently returned and began to pursue them. Sean now hit the pedal and accelerated the car to its top speed around 150 kilometres an hour. The bright light caught up to them easily. It was now much larger, having seemingly expanded. When the light was overhead, something seemed to land on the car's roof and lifted it into the air. In the panic of the moment, the family would later report strange sensations such as a feeling of time slowing down and their own voices becoming distorted. Faye put her hand out the window to try and work out what had hold of them. She said, I wound down the window and I felt this thing on the roof. All of this smoke stuff started coming into the car and the car was covered in black stuff. Faye would later describe what she felt as having an unusual spongy texture. Just as suddenly the car was released again and crashed back to the road. The light disappeared and now the family were alone in the dark, absolutely terrified. They fled from the vehicle and hid in some low bushes nearby. But when the light did not come back, they calmed down sufficiently to return to their car. They quickly fixed the flat tyre and then continued to Mundrabilla where they reported what had happened to the staff at the roadhouse. Now, according to some reports, a truck driver there also indicated that he had seen unusual lights on the road. After a short pit stop, the family then drove the remaining 500 kilometres to Sejuna where they reported what they had, what had happened to them to the police. And then when the story broke the next day, the media coverage was unbelievable. UFO attacks family led the morning news and the morning newspapers. The story elements were intriguing, the isolated location and the drama of an actual physical encounter. But the Knowles incident had an additional aspect, not commonly found in UFO stories. There was tangible evidence that something had happened. There were dents on the roof of the car and ash covering the vehicle's exterior. Then there was the initial police response with Sergeant Longley stating that they had to take the report seriously, which added credence to the story. Some news reports also cited a commercial fishing vessel in the Great Australian Bight that also reported seeing lights in the sky. And finally, there was the Knowles family themselves. They were a family of everyday Australians. They didn't seem like the sort of family to make up a bizarre UFO attack story. A few days after the incident, they were interviewed together on TV and impressed with their sincerity. But as investigators probed their encounter, pardon the pun, some parts of their story seemed to become less convincing for people. Most notably was the physical evidence from their car, which ultimately proved to be inconsequential. Closer examination revealed the roof dents to be very minor, of a sort likely to be caused by the use of a roof rack. An investigation conducted by the Australian Mineral Development Laboratory, which analysed the ash from the car's exterior, found particles of clay and salt consistent with a vehicle that had recently crossed the Nullarbor Plain. In effect, the car was just dusty. 
At the same time, the Knowles themselves mostly retained their credibility. They clearly believed the story that they were telling. So what happened to them? Well, there was plenty of people that had theories. A possible explanation for the light that the Knowles claim to have seen is what is known as a superior mirage. A superior mirage is an optical illusion caused by an inversion of air layers with what we call different temperatures. Normally, cold air sits on top of warm air. If you climb a mountain, you'll notice the air temperature drop. In some cases, though, a cold layer of air will sit below warm air. Light travels through different air temperatures at different speeds, and this reversal of the air layers can cause light from distant objects to appear above where they normally are. It is an uncanny and odd effect highlighted recently um, by a photo of a cargo ship seemingly floating above the water captured by a hiker in England. It's a very real-looking image in play daylight showing something we all know has to be impossible, but a superior mirage is definitely in action. Now, some researchers have suggested this same effect may have been, and we say may have been, what the Knowles family saw. It could have been the lights of a distant truck, altered optically by natural conditions, to seemingly float above the ground. How then to explain the other things that they reported, the close encounter, the car being lifted off the road, the smoke, and the weird impact on their voices? Some psychologists have suggested it may have been just a collective panic attack. This is a surprising common phenomenon, apparently, experienced by people in stressful situations. Lack of sleep, isolation and emotional duress can provide the triggers the sufferers then reinterpret innocuous events as sinister or supernatural. During episodes, members become distressed and emotionally unstable and often as a result of prolonged fear, fatigue and lack of sleep. These factors enhance suggestibility and inhibit their powers of critical thinking. Within this atmosphere, members begin to redefine everyday objects and events in a new light, and a car backfiring may be perceived as a gunshot or rustling in the bushes is mistaken for a monster. But in the Knowles case, their encounter occurred in the middle of the night in a remote, unfamiliar location, and if you have done that trip and you've camped on the side of the road, things that do go bump in the night certainly enhance enhance your um, (laughs) trying to get to sleep. The trip from Perth to Adelaide is lengthy and they were likely short of sleep and such a significant move is an emotional stressor. It is possible that they saw distant truck lights enhanced by atmospheric effects and then imagined themselves under attack. If this is what has happened, it would seem quite real to them, which would explain their subsequent sincere testimony. But what actually happened, no one really knows. The Knowles encounter remains a popular one with UFO enthusiasts and investigators. The first time I drove across the Nullarbor, I was on an extended trip with my parents and being an adventurous type who loved travelling the outdoors, we uh, we decided to do that, that trip and I think it was about uh, 1991. Um, we all knew the Knowles family story from a few years before and I rev- vividly remember it from the news and being especially struck by Faye Knowles' description of the alien craft as spongy, which seemed quite unusual. But their story wasn't quite as unusual or as um, isolated as what we might have thought. And let's have a listen to some other audio of other things that can't be explained. Let's have a listen. What was your reaction when you saw the light for the first time? Funny sensation, you know, you feel the hairs and your legs sort of curling and your heart beating at about a million things per second and your arms and legs sort of don't want to move. So, um, what was it? <laughs> I don't know. 
These tough Aussie truckies are the last people you'd expect to believe in UFOs. But these pictures record their terrifying encounter. It was virtually on the ground, first, first time. And uh, it was there until Monty took that last, last photograph. And, uh, and, and then it appeared to move off. For the Port Neal community in South Australia, the visit of a UFO wasn't confined to the skies. Whatever the object was, there's no doubt from these pictures that it landed on the Rodder's property. There's something that's causing these things that we can't explain, so why not believe in that? <laughs> so as you can hear, a lot of things were going on around South Australia in 1988. To take a quick break here on the Road Less Travel, when we come back we will speak, we won't speak with, but you'll hear from the Knowles family more in just a moment. Fat Cat Media has over 25 years within motorsport media and marketing. Fatcat Media has the proven knowledge and expertise to help your next event. We have a variety of services available. They are including West MX Coaching and Development Schools, where we conduct schools and clinics across various metropolitan and country clubs throughout Australia. We cater our motocross coaching for beginners right through to intermediate junior riders. The coaching clinics are solely created and catered and also designed for smaller numbers to effectively support each rider and hone in on their particular requirements. Whilst our schools are designed for two days right through to five day camps with multiple Motorcycling Australia accredited coaches giving individual coaching, drills, training, development and feedback throughout the duration. Our prices for coaching start at $150. With consultancy and advice, Fat Cat Media creates and caters for a variety of platforms whether it be as a racer or for those within the motorcycle and motorsport industry. Have you considered the future? It is important to focus on what's ahead, well is it? Absolutely yes. How do you expect to move forward if you have no benchmark, no goals, no achievements and no strategic plan and direction on how to achieve your goals in the industry? It's mind-bogglingly crazy how folks will fork out thousands of dollars on motocross bikes, equipment and gear, yet have no clear plan on how to execute, execute their racing gear. Prices start at $130. Be inspired with our seminars and motivational speaking. We really enjoy and receive a lot of satisfaction and overwhelming feedback in conducting seminars. This involves giving motivational speeches and inspiring people to challenge themselves and become better at what they want to become better at. Relying on years in the media plus a life-changing health issue, Nikki will challenge and transform her audiences. If you truly and honestly want to help someone reach their true potential, stop answering all their questions and solving all their problems. Prices start at $130. With over 15 years commentating throughout Western Australia and Australian motocross and motorsports, Fat Cat Media prides itself on providing sound industry knowledge plus versatile media experiences and our commentators can interpret what's happening on and off the track with reliable information obtained from within the industry, when it happens and as it happens. Fat Cat Media's trackside commentators have the ability to develop a perspective on the subject through research, experience, interviews and of course by attending events. Prices start at $150. Do you have a race resume? Step one of obtaining sponsorship is a race resume and write a biography. Take advantage of our professional writing and massive mailing list of media outlets and sporting companies. You can complement this with professional photography, video or audio clips to send out to potential sponsors or partners. 
Whilst we do not go out and obtain sponsorship for you, a race resume is the first step for you to build relationships and foster ongoing partnerships with potential sponsors. Prices start at $150. For further information, head to fatcatmedia.com.au or drop us an email, fatcat at iinet.net.au. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. You're listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast with Nikki Shea. Welcome back to the Road Less Travel podcast. Thanks so much for your company. Glad that you're listening to us through Apple on iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Of course, you can listen to previous episode on fatcatmedia.com.au. This week we are talking about the 1988, January 1988, trip across the Nullarbor for the Knowles family from Perth to uh, Adelaide where they were had a weird encounter with what they t- we, we think might have been a UFO. Terry Willis, he spoke to the Knowles family, of course, the family that we're featuring on tonight about their, tonight's uh, episode regarding uh, their trip across the Nullarbor in 1988. This audio comes from Terry Willis here and Channel 9. All to the Knowles family in Adelaide, thanks for joining us. And 36 hours now after the event, do any of you have any doubts as to what happened? Do you still believe that it was a UFO that landed on your car? Yes, we do. Why do you believe that? Because we actually saw it, you know, it was chasing us and it all of a sudden it landed on our car, pulled our car back and I put my hand out the window and I, I fell on the roof. What did, Just, you, what did you feel? It was like a um, sponge on the roof, it was sucking the roof, you know, the car. It was a sponge. I saw it. How big was it? What did it look it was like? About, I don't really know. I can't really explain. Did you see anything but a light? Um, no, not really. It was a... Uh, I can't explain it. Uh, it was sort of... It was shaped like this. Hang on. It was shaped like this. It had like a little circle in the centre and that was like a yellow sort of colour. And... It had on the outsides, it was sort of shaped like that, and on the outsides it was like that, and in the centre it was like that. And I asked B. Beretta, you know, if that was a spaceship, and he goes, don't be stupid. So I got up closer to have a look, and it was moving backwards and forwards. And so we decided to take off to have a look. We decided to take off and it was flying miles back and I drove miles up the road again and it was in front of us again. How how high off the ground was it? It was was on the ground. I mean it was on the ground. It was on the ground facing us when we drove along. And then, so it was moving along with you? Yeah, it was following us. And then eventually you tried to get away from it, is that right? It's still chasing us. Sean, Sean, you were driving, how fast did you get up to? I got up to about 200 kilometres. That's very fast. Have you driven that fast before? Uh, no, I haven't. And the car is capable of doing 200 kilometres an hour? Yeah. 
And at what stage did the object land on your roof? Oh. How fast were you going at the time? I was doing about 200. I got a blowout. And once the car stopped, I blinked out. And I don't know what happened after that. It was definitely on the roof. How do we know you're telling the truth? Oh, there was even witnesses. But a lot of people think that you are making it up. Do you realise that? That's not true. No way. When it landed on the car, what, what happened? We what were screaming and yelling. And as soon as it landed on the car, that's when my tyre blew out. Smoke started coming in the car. The smoke me. started to come in the car. <clears throat> and that's when I just blanked out. There was one report that your voices changed, is that correct? Yes, yeah, they, did. they did. In what way? Oh, um, really deep and deep. slow and, I don't know, we started to sound like that. Can like you... Real deep, deeper than that, even. It was so deep, you know, it's really hard to explain. More or less like our voice kind of died out as we were talking. If a car has a blowout at 200 kilometres an hour, there is a danger, isn't it, that it will overturn? How That's come you right. didn't? <laughs> there was a weight on the roof and explain that. Was the car on the road at all times or was it lifted off as has been reported? We don't really know, but we think it has been lifted off the road. How long did it... Uh, how long was it with you, this object? About five or ten minutes, we think. Were there any sounds or smells? Yes, yeah, there was. It was a sound. It sounded like a humming sound. It sounded like boom, boom, boom. And, and uh, when it was on the roof, I went down my window and all this smoke started coming. It was like a greyish black mist. And that's when our voices started to change. All of us, our voices just went really deep and strange. And we, found like, we felt like we were dying. And uh, the brake... And Brad chucked the brakes on the car and this thing just shot off. And as it shot off, we just hid out in the bushes, got out the car, hid out in the bushes, waited for about 10, 15 minutes. Went over back to the car, took this, took the wheel off, chucked that in the boot, got the spare wheel out, put that on. And we just let down Jack. We didn't worry about Jack, we just chucked the Jack in the bushes and we just shot off. And then it started to follow us again. And it started to come day by then it was starting to get daylight and it just seemed to lose us for some reason. We turned the headlights off and that's when it lost us. Patrick, had any of you been drinking? No, no way, no. Were you tired? I was a bit tired, yeah, but not tired enough to <laughs> see a thing <laughs> like that. And How scared were you, Patrick? I oh, really scared. Terrified. Scared as I've ever been. Well, what was your feelings? What were you feeling at the time when this was all we're happening? We were going to die. <laughs> that's what I felt like we just made us feel like we're dying. Have you had any unusual feelings since it happened? Oh, a bit sick or was I won't, I won't turn the lights off at night. I'm too scared to go to sleep. Any other feelings? What about you, Wayne? How do you feel about it all? Pretty scary, right? What was the worst part of it for you? Mm. You wouldn't... Would you be happy to go back there and have a look around to see what had happened? Not really. I don't want to go back. So just, just summing up, do any of you have any idea, uh, uh, Wayne, uh, Sean, you think it was a, a spaceship? What about yourself, Mrs Noel? Do you have any ideas? I, I reckon it was a BFO or something, you know, because it was strange. It was following us everywhere. We wouldn't leave us alone. 
I was a nervous wreck when I got up to the garage. So. Well, thank you very much for telling us your story and uh, take it easy on the roads. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks. That's the Knowles family and their story of a bizarre encounter on the Nullarbor Plain. So whether you believe or not, well, you can't deny that something indeed did happen to the Knowles family. And I'll put up in our show notes a link to the video where you can watch the actual interview. Do UFOs exist? Who knows? But uh, certainly you can't you can't discount it because um, you don't know what's out there. It's like ghosts, unless it actually happens to you. I guess you can't really uh, say definitively, no, they, that they don't exist. For example, in Queensland in 2018, there was a slow motion video revealing a flat dislike uh, flying object uh, unseen in animal life or human made technology. There was no video manipulation detected. Um, in Westall in Melbourne in 1966, hundreds of students and teachers from the local state high school and primary school witnessed a strange craft descend into a nearby field. There was no civil, uh, no civil or military aircraft activity in the area at that time and the sighting has yet to be explained. Somewhere over Bass Strait in October 1978, pilot Frederick uh, Valentich on a training flight in a Cessna light aircraft, a 20-year-old reports being followed by a flying object at about 300 metres above him and tells Melbourne tra air traffic control that it's not an aircraft. He's not been heard of since and his disappearance has never been explained. Standing on ranges in the Belgrave in Victoria in 1993, Kelly Cale and her husband see a large object hovering over the road. They go to take a look and meet others equally curious. All are abducted by aliens who leave small marks on their bodies. Cahill writes the 1996 book Encounter about the experience, which later features in the X-Files. So there's plenty of stories out there and... Um, you can jump online and do a search and there's heaps and heaps of different stories but things that are explained, things that can't be explained as well. And I think there's Facebook groups too. But that opens up a whole different podcast and I hope that this one this week has given you a little bit of insight into what happened on the Nullarbor in 1988. We know that something happened to the Knowles family. You be the judge, but uh, actually that's all that we've got time for this week on The Road Less Travelled. I hope you've enjoyed our little encounter, close encounters of the third kind on the Nullarbor back in 1988. Hey, if you've got a UFO story or something you can't explain, drop us a line, fatcat at iinet.net.au. I'd love to hear from you. My name's Nikki Shea. You've been listening to The Road Less Travelled podcast, and I hope to catch you somewhere out there on The Road Less Travelled very soon. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. The Road Less Travelled is presented by Nikki Shea and produced by Fat Cat Media.